What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the latest episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Wednesday, December 16th, middle of the week podcast. Uh, Make sure if you haven't listened yet to go back to yesterday's episode uh, where we recapped every game from week 14 of the NFL season, uh, except for what ended up being the thriller of the week, Monday Night Football. It was recorded before that game. A terrific game. Um, really between the Browns and the Ravens. Ravens end up winning by five. Really a two-point win and, or a three-point win until that uh, that safety at the end to, to close things out as the Browns were trying to hook and ladder their way 80 yards down the field. Really fun game between those two teams. But um, aside from that game, make sure to check out uh, last episode for everything else from week 14 of the NFL season. Along with that, you know, make sure to look forward to this Friday's episode with Teddy Pristash doing week 19 pick or week 15 picks against the spread. Um, I believe I edged him out again this week, making it two weeks in a row. I've probably got a good hold on the lead as we approach the end of the regular season. Uh, but we're not going to talk about any of that stuff today. We are actually going to be doing something a little fun. Um, we're going to talk some head coach openings across the NFL. And now there are some that are already open. There are some that we are estimating will be open um, as soon as the regular season concludes. They just want their coaches to play out. Or maybe if a coordinator becomes available or a coach candidate becomes available that they didn't realize, hey, maybe another job will get taken away as well too. Um, I am going to rank the eight jobs that I have found to be available in my eyes. There are two that I'm saying, okay, maybe those jobs won't be available I'm not sure. It's up in the air. You know, there's two coaches right now that I see that are really fighting for their jobs. um, And how they close out the rest of the season will go a long way in in how long, uh, if they can come back to play in 20 or coach in 2021. So I've got eight jobs in total. I'm going to rank them from the least appealing to the most appealing. And then I'm also going to throw out my favorite candidate, or I guess maybe my prediction candidate for this job. So eight jobs. Uh, let's see. So we've got one, two, three that, well, no, I guess only two technically that are available right now. I'm going to throw in four that will be available at the end of the season. And then a couple where I'm like, eh, I'm not sure if this job is going to be available. It could be really, they've got three weeks left to coach for their job. So uh, least appealing to most appealing. So we're going to start with the least appealing job for me. Um, And this is actually one that I say where the coach is still fighting for the rest of his season to keep his job, and and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. So Philadelphia, um, just it's been a disaster since their Super Bowl run. They have had injuries all over the place um, on defense, offensive line, wide receiver. They have been one of the most unlucky franchises the last few seasons. I, I, I guess it might be the cost of winning a Super Bowl in, in the way that they did. You know, they've been haunted uh, the last few years since. And right now their head coach, of course, obviously fighting for his job. And, and you know, if he can string together some wins, hey, they're not that far out of, uh, of a, a, a shot at the NFC East title. There could be a situation where he is retained back. So not sure if Doug Peterson is going to be the head coach of the Eagles next year or not. I am putting my money on that they will probably not finish this season too well. That you know The win over the Saints was a very emotional victory for them, but I don't really see them stringing together a bunch of games. Um, I think it was just one of those fluky games that you chalk up to. The Saints were rolling so long and so long, they just had to slow down at one point, and the Eagles, who switched things up in the middle of the week, at quarterback, I think 
you know, not caught him by surprise, but were able to just get a fluky win. So the Eagles, to me, um, of the jobs I'm going to discuss, are the least, uh, the least appealing. And the number one reason for that being, uh, there's just not a whole lot to work with around you. You enter a situation in which you are paying a franchise quarterback a, a ton of money, and he's just recently been benched after having one of the worst seasons uh, of any starter, starting quarterback in the NFL this year. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz has been one of the biggest underachievers. I, I'd say even these last two seasons, he hasn't been healthy. He has been dinged up. But when he's on, um, he's lost something. He's lost confidence. He's lost arm talent, which is surprising. Um, the confidence really seems to be the biggest problem. So for a head coach, you're entering a situation where this quarterback room out, out of the gate is just a mess to deal with. Um, and you can't really trade Carson Wentz because of the dead cap hit. So he's going to be back for at least one more year. So you're already entering a very uncomfortable locker room. And if, if Jalen Hurts does look the part through the rest of the season, who knows what's going to happen? How do you handle that situation? Plus, I don't love a lot around the team. I don't think they've drafted that well the last few years. I personally am not the biggest Miles Sanders fan. Um, I, you know, they've got to be you know, dying in the front office there over drafting Jalen Rager ahead of a guy like Justin Jefferson, even ahead of a guy like Brandon Ayuk or a Michael Pittman. You know, Rager, he hasn't been able to play a full season, but when you see him, you know, maybe there's a play a game where you say, okay, there's something here, but it seems like if anything, it's going to be a Corey Davis type situation where it takes till, you know, year three or four for him to really turn things around. Uh, you've got your star tight end, Zach Ertz, who doesn't really have a comfortable relationship with the front office and is expected to maybe be moved on. But if he doesn't for cap reasons or whatnot, you know, you've got an uncomfortable star there as well, too. The offensive line to me is old. They've got some young guys that they're starting to throw in there a little bit more. Um, you do have talent on the defense, but it's aging talent. Fletcher Cox isn't what he was last year or the year before that. Uh, linebackers, you've got some young, talented guys in there. The secondary is really banged up and also not that talented outside of Darius Slay, although they've had certain guys, of course, step up this year in particular. To me, this is not where I... If I was an available head coach, if I was a head coach... Uh, if I was a head coaching candidate, I would take a look at this situation. And if I had options to choose from, this would be the last spot I would choose. Um, that being said, I did have to find a guy that I think would potentially make the switch. Um, and, and to throw out a name, I'm going to give you a Saints offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael. Now, Pete's been offensive coordinator with the Saints for over a decade now. He took over when Doug Marone left as offensive coordinator to go take the head coaching job at Syracuse University. Um, so he has been around, tied to Sean Payton for a decade now. Um, really, you know, you saw a guy in, you know, a similar situation, you know, a Josh McDaniels who spent this time with Bill Belichick really honing in his craft. And then he took the jump out to be a head coach. Obviously, it didn't work. And I'm not saying Pete wouldn't work, but there is this opportunity where he can go out, take that step to be his next head coach. But I believe that there would always be a job for him back in New Orleans if he ever failed, as long as Sean Payton is still the head coach there. Um, and I think he takes a look at this situation. I think he would probably want to go in the way of Jalen Hurts if he finished out the year. I think he would see it as more of an exciting opportunity on how to run an offense. 
Um, really the only reason that I, I, I had to stretch a little bit with Pete Carmichael because some of these guys I'm going to mention, hey, there have been rumors that so-and-so is already attached to this job. There is nothing here. I'm just throwing a dart at the dartboard um, and, and saying that maybe you know an offensive coordinator who's been around for a decade now would make the switch um, into a situation that isn't too friendly, but it's more friendly on offense than defense. So I think you could bring in an offensive guy He's been around success for the last decade, and hopefully some of that can wear off on the Eagles' offense and they can turn things around. So least appetizing opportunities, the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to give them Pete Carmichael. Let's move on now to, uh, I guess, my second least appealing job out of the eight, and that is the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and the Falcons last year, I would have said, was more exciting. The year before, obviously, I would have said it's more exciting. Dan Quinn, you know, has been a dead man walking for a bit now. Obviously, Raheem Morris has been coaching since week six, I believe, uh, for the Falcons ever since they let go of Dan Quinn. My thing with the Falcons and why this isn't a completely desirable opportunity, uh, first and foremost, very tough division that you're entering into. Um, in my opinion, for the start of next season, they would also be, you know, they would have the least talented roster in that division. Uh, just taking a look at what the Panthers are building. They're up and coming. The Buccaneers have a star-studded roster, and the Saints are the Saints. So right off the bat, I don't love my chances of success in year one or year two. It's going to be an uphill battle in Atlanta. There's a lot of talent on offense. There is. Matt Ryan has had a bit of a down year, so you have to worry a little bit about how do we move forward with this quarterback. Does he need a better offensive line? What more can we do to support him? Because that's the other thing. It's not like there's talent missing around him. Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, that's a great one, two, three at wide receiver. Todd Gurley is Todd Gurley, but he's still a decent running back in the NFL. Um, and then, of course, you know, you go in and you get a guy like Hayden Hurst at tight end. There's a lot of help around for Matt Ryan for him to be as bad as he's been. So kind of in a situation where I say the Eagles have to worry about Carson Wentz, there's a little bit of a Matt, Pro uh, Matt Ryan situation here where he is easier to trade. Um, I do believe, in my uh, full honest opinion, that this, the San Francisco 49ers would look to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And if the cost is cheap. I wouldn't put it out of way to say that they might be able to go get Matt Ryan and reunite him with Kyle Shanahan. That's just my opinion. But at the very least, you've got really an empty roster to be working with outside of offensive playmakers. You know, the defense has a few guys that are really exciting. You know, a Deion Jones, a Keanu Neal at safety. Um, they drafted a cornerback in the first round of this last year's draft. There are some guys that are enticing to work with, but with all these other jobs, I think either have more young, fun, uh, better foundational uh, pieces, um, a better quarterback situation. Uh, really, this one is tied with my next one that I'll talk about. And um, so I believe at the end of the day that this isn't too great of an option for available head coaches, but I do believe at the end of the day um, that Eric Bieniemy. Chiefs offensive coordinator would be a good fit here with the Falcons. I do believe after Dan Quinn that the Falcons would choose to go in the offensive direction, switch things up. Um, you know, you had a defensive-minded head coach in there and then had statistically one of the worst defenses over the last three seasons. So I believe that they would want to take a switch and really just try and enhance this offense, get a young defensive coordinator in there uh, to pair him with. 
and and try and make that work. And for Biennemi, it's really interesting because a lot of people say that this is the hottest candidate out there. And up to this point, there are really two main connections for him. Uh, one is the Houston Texans and the other is the Atlanta Falcons. My problem with the Texans here is I feel like they are going to do something wrong. Um, and I'll get into that in a little bit when we get to their position. But I just feel like there's been some rumors going around about who is available for them. And I just, this name being connected, I just feel like it's a dumb hire waiting to happen just based on how bad things are in Houston right now. And I think Eric will look at the end of the day and say, okay, this other opportunity here with the Atlanta Falcons is one that I would be willing to take. You know, there is offensive talent to work with. You know, he goes from working with Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and he gets Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper. It's, it's a good offensive pieces to be working with. And then you just hope that you can bring maybe someone from the defensive staff in Kansas City along with you to be your defensive coordinator. The Chiefs are no joke on defense. Um, I know they've been winning these close games, but they have a really talented defense. They've done well with that coaching staff. And so at the end of the day, I think moving him over to the Falcons uh, just seems to be the right move here. And I don't believe the market is going to be as hot for enemy as it should be. And this is a change of a whole stance that I have had since, I, you know, I've been banging, banging, banging the tail for Eric Bieniemy. Um And the harsh truth that I've learned, I guess, since doing so, is that there's a lot of reasons to not like Eric Bieniemy. Um, and it goes back to his college head coaching days at Colorado. There's a lot of issues that I wasn't aware of, frankly. That was a point in my life I wasn't paying attention to the college football landscape as well as I do now. I didn't really know much about Eric Bieniemy, And the stuff that I've learned, it makes sense why he hasn't been able to land a job yet. There are some concerns. Um, I think now this is the year that it will happen just because he's done the rounds of interviews a couple of years. Um, and I think Eric Bieniemy would be able to do something with this Atlanta offense. Um, and I think it'll be one of the jobs that really make him the number one candidate and I think at the end of the day, the Houston Texans are going to screw this one up. I'm, I'm just predicting it now. They're going to fuck this up. Um, and I'm going to give Eric Bieniemy to the Atlanta Falcons. All right, so let's move on to my next uh, more appealing opportunity, and that's the Detroit Lions. And this one is really close with Atlanta for me. You could flip-flop them. I kind of see them in the same way in a similar sense. You've got a talented quarterback that is getting over the hump in terms of age. You know, Stafford, to me, has been a better quarterback than Matt Ryan this year. Matt Stafford is one of the more underrated quarterbacks of this past decade, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, I get the similarities between situations when you say, okay, there's a good quarterback here where if you can turn things around quick, you could really maximize, you know, the, the remaining years you have with this quarterback before he turns into a, you know, a guy that slows down and doesn't have the arm, you know, what we're seeing out of like a Big Ben this year, you know. Not to say that they're not title contenders, but, you know, I think that there's an advantage to, to, you can take advantage of the next few years with this quarterback situation. Uh, you know, talented playmakers around him, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, Kenny Galladay when he's healthy. Those are three key fundamental pieces right there that I say, okay, that that is a good quarter to be building around. The offensive line isn't awful. The defense does need some work. You drafted Jeff Okuda at corner, third overall pick last year. It's a good start. I think this one is the easiest job to predict. Um, and it's Robert Sala 
49ers defensive coordinator. Uh, he grew up in Michigan, grew up a diehard Lions fan, went to college in Michigan. Um, he is a very popular figure in his hometown, in his community, a very prominent figure in the state of Michigan. And it just seems to me that, you, you know, I, in some senses I say maybe the Lions would want to flip to an offensive guy after Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia to me is just, it was just a horrible hire at this point where it just, he wasn't the guy. It, it reminds me of when Josh McDaniels really screwed things up in Denver. I think that they would keep the flow with Robert Sala because this is the time to get him. He will be getting a job. And if things go well at that other job, you aren't going to get another chance to get him and try it out. You know, having this hometown hero leading the Detroit Lions, who have been historically awful, um, you know, since, you know, I've been around and turning them into something that could, you know, contend for, you know, NFC North titles or push further in the playoffs. Um, I think that Robert Sala is the easy no-brainer hire here for the Detroit Lions. I think you're also in that getting, um, you know, a coordinator in from the San Francisco 49ers to run that offense. So you'd be getting, you know, a Kyle Shanahan run offense along with someone, um, you know, in Robert Sala who is ready to be the head coach. Um, I was trying to pull up. There was one coordinator for the 49ers that I wanted to bring up. And of course, I don't think I'm gonna be able to find it. So, oh shit, it's their passing game coordinator. If someone, I'll figure it out. But the Detroit Lions to me, you know, it's a situation where it kind of Atlanta, why I have them a little bit lower um, than, you know, I guess these next five positions is that, you know, you do have a limited window to turn things around because Matt, you know, Matt Stafford is getting older. He's still expensive. There's a lot to, um, to figure out and really turn things around. You're also entering a really tough division in the NFC North, kind of like Atlanta entering, you know, they would be entering as the worst team in the division from day one. So, um, so those are those three jobs. The next one, and man, the, the more I think about it, I'm going to switch up the order here. I'm actually going to bring a team that I had as the third most enticing job, and I'm going to bring them down to fifth. So I'm going to slide four and five up to three and four. And I am going to talk about the Chicago Bears. This is the other situation where I say Matt Nagy is coaching for his job through the rest of the season. I believe his time is probably run up here just with, you know, how bad it's been between Mitch and Foles and then back to Mitch. Um, he could still go on a little bit of a run here and maybe save his job beyond this season, but this is the other opportunity that I say could be available um, if, if things don't finish on a high note in Chicago. Um, to me, this is one of the jobs. Let me just take a look at all these again. The reason that the Chicago Bears job is so appealing is you really only are a quarterback away from being a very good football team. You know, you, you do have a problem where you could lose Allen Robinson in free agency. And if you do, you know, you definitely take a step back. Um, you would need to find another guy to replace Robinson. Um, but you have a talented running back in David Montgomery. This offensive line, I feel like, can be fixed. There's a lot of talented guys. And a couple of years ago, they weren't that bad. Um, but then the defense, to me, is a situation where it's like already one of the best defenses. 
The sad thing about this is I would love to keep Chuck Pagano around. I think, you know, he's been able to do a decent job since Vic Fangio left, um, but this defense has kind of given up on this year. It's a lot of talent defensively for the Bears. Um, really interesting opportunity here for them to get a guy that could be a legit big-time NFL head coach. Um, and that's Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern head coach. Uh, this is the first name I'm mentioning from the college ranks coming up. There will be one more guy I bring up um, at the end of this podcast coming from college to the pros. Pat Fitzgerald can be a very successful NFL head coach. He just needs a job that is close to home. He has said that he doesn't want to be a guy that moves around. Um, he likes his situation at Northwestern which is why I believe the Bears would be an opportunity he would finally accept. I think he would take one look at the defense, say, okay, I don't have to move that far. I'm going to have a really talented defense. I just got to get the quarterback position right. And hey, if they want to swing for the fences this offseason, there are going to be a, a handful of quarterbacks that they could get, you know, they could try and move for. Um, you know, a, a Matt Stafford, a Matt Ryan, a Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a, a ton of quarterbacks that will be available. Depending on where they pick in the draft, they could also take a quarterback. I believe five will go in the first round. So I think that the Bears, the, the I want to have the Bears as the third most enticing job or the third most appealing job. I have them down to five now. Um, three and four are going to belong to franchises that already have the quarterback, and then it's everything else to figure out. For the Bears, you look at it and it says, okay, well, I got to go into this situation and I, and I have a great defense. I just need to get the quarterback situation right. It's a really appealing job. It is. So I don't want to say bumping it down to five is me thinking any less of it. Um, but at the end of the day, these next two, they have legit, legit quarterbacks. And I just don't think you can turn that down, especially when it does seem to be the most impactful position um, on an NFL team. So I'm giving the Bears Pat Fitzgerald. I think it would be a slam dunk hire. He is going to be a guy that when he does move up to the NFL is going to be very good. And, and this would be the opportunity for him to comfortably make the jump. Um, he would have a great defense. He wouldn't be moving too far from home. I think Pat would, would really enjoy the Bears uh, opportunity. Fun fact about the Bears too. Uh, they've had three head coaches now in the last eight years. If they move on from Matt Nagy, it'll be three head coaches in the last eight years. You know, you, you take a look before that. Lovey Smith lasted eight years on his own. Um, and it's not to say that these other coaches have done poorly. You know, I, you know, I, I guess I don't really want to say that it's been great. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my mind. Ignore that comment. I was reading these stats wrong, if we're being completely honest. They've been bad. You know, you had Mark Tressman after, he went 13-19, John Fox was horrendous, and then you bring in Nagy, winning record, um, but they definitely have their issues. So, I just think that they're going to want to get a guy that'll be in for the long haul. If Pat Fitzgerald, like I think, is going to hit, he'd be a guy that wouldn't move to take another job. He would stick around Chicago for the long haul. So, that's an opportunity that I think um, would, would be a, just a match made in heaven, Pat Fitzgerald and the Chicago Bears. All right, so let's move on to the fourth most appealing uh, head coaching job, uh, which I am predicting to be available this offseason, and that is the Los Angeles Chargers. I've been on this boat from day one. I pray to God that the Chargers lose out this season so they um, you know, don't finish up with a 6-10 and 10 record and say, well, we won six games. Let's bring Anthony Lynn back. No, Anthony Lynn 
aside from Adam Gase, is the worst active head coach in the NFL right now. He is the one of the worst situational play, uh, you know, uh, decision makers I've ever seen. You know, it, it, he shits himself every time it gets to the two-minute warning. They, they take that timeout, all of a sudden he shits his pants. He doesn't know what to do. They, they had another awful um, two-minute drill uh, this, this past week against Atlanta. And, of course, they end up winning that game. I need, I need the Chargers to lose for the sake of Justin Herbert. And that's why this job is appealing. You know, Justin, you know, I believe will hold on to Offensive Rookie of the Year. I, I get giving it to a guy like Justin Jefferson. It's a quarterback league, and Herbert is having the most impressive rookie quarterback season in the history of the NFL. Um, so this job is really appealing because there's stars everywhere on this team. There, there are really two fixes that you need to make if, if you're the new head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers. One... Situational play calling, situational decision making, and then two, you got to stay healthy. And that's not something you can control, but if the Chargers are a healthy team next year, they will be in the playoffs. If you bring out this team next year, and it's Justin Herbert in his second year, Austin Eckler for a full season, the wide receiving group of Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, tight end Hunter Henry... Um, you've got Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram rushing the passer. Hopefully we can get Derwin James back on a football field, one of the most electric safeties in football. You know, you bring in guys at cornerback in this past offseason. You draft Kenneth Murray at linebacker. Get him in his second season. You know, outside of maybe helping out the offensive, you know, getting a little bit better of an offensive line, that's, the, that's you know, position-wise, the trenches is where they need to be better. They need to be better at defensive tackle, and they're getting, you know, Jerry Tillery is getting better, but I still want more from him. They brought in Linval Joseph. I mean, the offensive line needs to be improved. But this is the team, you know, all the teams that I just mentioned. You know, the Eagles, I don't think in year one of a new head coach would be a playoff team. I don't. I don't think the Falcons would be if they brought in Eric Bieniemy. The Lions and, and the, the Bears, I could see it in a one-year swing, but I feel really confident in saying that if you get this Chargers team, the right head coach, and a guy that is, it makes normal decisions as a head coach, uh, that would just be a, a, a home run hit because you're getting a young quarterback, rookie contract, you get to optimize by spending in free agency these next few years before you have to pay him, and, uh, and, and look, the quarterback's got it. He just needs help around him. He needs a coach that is on the same page with him. And that's why you have to go with a different uh, style of, of uh, offensive play caller. You know, Anthony Lynn, I don't think people realize this. He, his background is in offense. He's a former running back. He spent his time coaching on the offensive side of things before taking the head coaching job. He's just a very run-first kind of guy because he's a former running back. He's one of those physical offense kind of guys, and that's why the, the fit – with Justin Herbert just doesn't work at all because Herbert, you need a Chiefs kind of offense. Just throwing that thing all around, especially with the talent that they've got. So I'm going to give him a name that I think has been deserving a job for a couple years now. And um, he's the Packers offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. And I have a lot of credit to give to this man. Uh, he, in my opinion, is the reason that the Jaguars' offense in the years of Blake Bortles were not horrendous. You know, when they had an offense that was being able to put up points against the Steelers uh, in the playoffs, against the Patriots in the AFC title game, you know, despite having awful talent 
at the quarterback position, he was able to make things work. That's what I'm saying. This guy deserves a job because he made Blake Bortles good enough for the Jaguars to make it to the AFC title game to be one quarter away from going to the Super Bowl. Uh, of course, they move on. He heads over to Green Bay. Their offense has been electric this year. Um, I think that this is a guy that is is ready for a head coaching job. And I think he's done well with Rodgers. Obviously, you know, Rodgers is Rodgers, so it's not like he's been improving him. But I take a look at the track record now, and I say, you made the Jaguars look pretty solid on offense, despite a major deficiency at quarterback. And then you go over to Green Bay, you learn a little bit with Matt LaFleur, you get a little twist of how he works in there. I think he's a guy that should be talked about as a head coaching candidate that isn't getting enough love. Um, So I'm going to give Nathaniel Hackett to the Los Angeles Chargers. I think it would be a great stylistic uh, fit with Justin Herbert. And then, like I said, the defense has talent. You know, you just need a a coach in there. Um, and, And I think, you know, next year this defense will be one of the better ones in football. So moving along, we got three jobs left. I really hate that this job is the third most enticing or appealing for head coach candidates um, because it is such... There's one reason that makes it... There's only one reason that makes it an appealing job. Everything else about it, I would say, I don't want to work there. I mean, that's the Houston Texans. You get a generational, great quarterback into Sean Watson. You do. You you get one of the best quarterbacks over the next 10 to 12 years. That's what you get when you, you take the Houston Texan, Texans head coaching job. The problem is, outside of that, I hate everything else about this roster. You have the highest paid left tackle, who is also one of the most penalized left tackles in football over the last few years. The rest of the offensive line is not good. You have David Johnson at running back. You have uh, a lot of number two receivers on offense. Tight end play has never really been that great. Defensively, you're getting old. Outside of Zach Cunningham at linebacker, there's not a lot of keepers. You know, a, a Justin Reed is a talented guy. It's really the only... Then you go above that. These reports and these articles coming out about Jack Easterby and how he's running things in Houston... What candidate wants to go there? It's almost surprising because as much as I said that teams don't want Eric Bieniemy, it's such a tough decision to make for him because, I mean, working with Deshaun Watson, if, you, if your job goes from Patrick Mahomes to Deshaun Watson, you're not getting that much worse. You're having a pretty great situation at the quarterback position, but everything else around you is so bad. And there was a name that popped up this past weekend. That was not, that isn't being connected to any team, and rightfully so. Not being connected to a single team in the NFL. His name has not been mentioned. And then the Texans are connected to him. And that's Brian Schottenheimer with the Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator. I don't even know where to begin with this guy. And it's not to say that he's a bad coach. He's an offensive coordinator uh, for a very successful team over the last decade. Good man. But he doesn't understand what the hell a balanced offense is. You know, they were so run-dominant last year. And they spent all offseason saying, okay, we finally got to let Russ cook. Let Russ cook. Open up the passing game. Let him throw all over the field. 
and then they abandon the run. And now they have one of the least successful offenses in the last five or six weeks of the NFL season because everybody's like, oh, they don't run on first and second down. You have to have balance. So I take a look at this offensive coordinator who has gone flipping back and forth and neither seems to work because he doesn't understand it needs to be a combination of both. And I say, you want to be a head coach? And then the Houston Texans leak out that, that they're being connected to Brian Schottenheimer. I say, oh, there's a match made in heaven. Brian Schottenheimer will not work as a head coach. And the Texans aren't smart enough to realize that. They deserve each other. So I'm giving it to them. And for some reason, it's still a very desirable job because you're getting Deshaun Watson. But at the end of the day, I think they're just going to fuck it up. I think they're going to. I really can see it happening. And it's going to be a shame, too, for Deshaun. Because when you're bringing in the next head coach, you want to get a guy that is going to maximize the rest of this roster and say, we don't want to rely on Deshaun Watson. And what has Seattle been doing all year? Relying on Russell Wilson. You're just bringing the same situation that you had previously into Houston. And I think that's an awful way to go. Especially as Deshaun gets older, the injuries pile up, the hits he takes pile up, he gets you know a little bit older. I think, it's, I think they're going to do it. it it's going to be him or be enemy. And just for the sake of, of, of this show and wanting to talk about Schottenheimer, I had to, to pair the enemy with the Falcons. Um, Schottenheimer, man, I mean, it could be Bill O'Brien 2.0, where it's just a mess. Let's move along to the two most appetizing head coaching uh, positions available at the end of this season. This, these two aren't available yet, but they all will be. They're picking one and two in the draft. The second most appealing job in the NFL uh, for a head coaching candidate this offseason is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I really like this opportunity for Jacksonville. I really do. They've got, you know, they at this point, by the time that this podcast is recording, they have the number two overall pick. And what that means is Justin Fields will be the next starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. In my opinion, is the greatest QB2 prospect that we've had. The only reason he is quarterback number two in this draft class is because Trevor Lawrence is one of the greatest prospects of the last decade, best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. So I say, okay, you're getting a quarterback that in each of the last three draft classes, in my opinion, or in the last two draft classes, maybe. No, three. I'll go three. In the last three draft classes, he would be the number one ranked quarterback in all three. And you are lucky enough to be getting him at number two. So you get a guy like Justin Fields. You have talent, young talent all around the roster. You've got young tackles. You've got James Robinson, DJ Chark, Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook, LaVinska Chenault. And then on defense, you've got one of the best young linebackers in football, Miles Jack. You've drafted a few young pieces on the defensive line and in the secondary. No, it's not the Jacksonville defense of 2017 and 2016, but it's still it's 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 gonna get to a point where it's that next wave where these younger guys really start to come into their own, and um, maybe you spend a little bit more in free agency on defense since you already have the young offensive weapons. This could be a really good opportunity uh, for a head coach to uh, take over and and really um, make Jacksonville a winner consistently. Um, and to me, there's a perfect fit. 
And that's Brian Dable with the Buffalo Bills, offensive coordinator. I would hate to see this marriage with Josh Allen end. It has been the most fun story to watch over the last few seasons, how Brian Dable has helped um, has helped Josh Allen grow throughout his career and brought him up to being one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. Who would have ever thought that about Josh Allen? You know, I was always high on him. I didn't think he'd be one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. Brian Dable is going to have, in my opinion, every available job to choose from outside of Detroit and outside of Chicago. I think if Pat Fitzgerald wants to go to Chicago, it'll be done. I think if Robert Sala wants to go to Detroit, that job will be done. Every other job, Brian Dable is going to have to choose from. And the only reason that I didn't send him to Houston, I didn't send him to uh, Los Angeles, he's a Northeastern guy. He is a guy that has never left the East Coast. Outside of Kansas City for one season, this man has been glued to the East Coast. You know, he started college at William & Mary in Virginia, was a defensive coaching assistant with the Patriots, wide receivers coach with the Patriots, then went to the Jets, uh, stretched a little bit out further to the Browns for uh, two seasons as offensive coordinator, went down to Miami, Kansas City, New England, New England, Alabama, Buffalo. This is a guy that is going to stay on the East Coast If not, I think he'd be a perfect, perfect fit for the Los Angeles Chargers. But he grew up in New York. He went to college in New York. Uh, He was born in Canada. This is is an East Coast kind of guy. And I think Jacksonville would be a perfect situation for him. He's already spent some time down in Miami, like I said, as the offensive coordinator in 2011. And I think he would take a look at this and say, okay, we're going to have Justin Fields and Young Weapons all over the place to work with. I can do this. If I go from Josh Allen and and a, you know, a, a Stefan Diggs obviously they don't have down there, but talented young wide receivers they do. You know, Chark can be a number 1 wide receiver. Lavinska Chanel can be a guy you run all over the place. DD Westbrook um you know what more athletic talented version of Cole Beasley. You know, there there's a lot of things you can do with these offensive weapons, and he get an upgrade at running back, you know, with James Robinson, who could be extremely successful. Um, I, I think Brian Dable is really meant for the Jacksonville Jaguars job. I think he would be tying himself to one of the next great quarterbacks in this league, and we could see him be a terrific head coach in Jacksonville for eight to ten years if he wants. I really think that this guy is going to have an amazing career as a head coach. And I think he's spent his time around the right kind of people, you know, go through where he's been, New England. Um, sorry, sorry, New England, William and Mary, uh, Alabama, Buffalo, Kansas City. He's been around good coaches. Um, I think this guy's going to be a great fit. He's only 45 years old. He's going to coach for a while. And uh, I think we're really going to get to a point where he is one of the more successful head coaches in this league. And tying himself to a quarterback in Justin Fields uh, would be a perfect way to start. I do believe there are two reasons that he won't go to the Jets. One is I don't believe he'll leave for another AFC East opponent. Um, I just I, I think that, um, that that's not something in his plans. And I believe the Jets already have their head coach picked out. And that's the most appealing available job this offseason. It was a tough choose between them and Jacksonville for me, uh, just because Jacksonville does have a lot of more weapons that I I kind of like the idea of working with, just in terms of receiver, running back, some guys on defense. But the Jets, 
you're getting, you know, what is expected to be, you know, the, the next coming of what? Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. He is going to be the next phenomenal, legendary quarterback in this league. And, um, and the Jets, beyond that, have drafted well recently uh, under Joe Douglas. You know, Mekhi Becton will be a great left tackle. Denzel Mims can be a good wide receiver. Um, uh, defensive tackle. Oh, 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 fuck. Quinnen Williams, there we go. Uh, defensive tackle Quinnen Williams is a stud. One of the better young defensive tackles in football. Um, you know, you, you definitely need some work in the secondary. Um, but where I think you can be confident about the Jets is I do believe that Joe Douglas is the right GM for the job there. And I believe just based off of who he's brought in in free agency, some low-paying guys along with how he's drafted, I think this is a, a, a good situation where um, if he is able to pick you know, his head coach, and I believe he has one candidate very strongly in mind, um, that the Jets can really turn things around. And to be the guy to turn around the Jets, you know, it's not in a situation in the NBA where you're like the guy that turns around the Knicks or, you know, the team that turned around, you know, I'm trying to think of other historically bad franchises. You know, Kevin Stefanski turning around the Browns, but that's not really that big. You know, the Jets are a miserable franchise, especially over the last five years or so. So to be the guy to turn it around, there's one guy that they tried to interview two years ago. And I'm pretty sure he declined the interview and said, come back to me when you're functional. And they're functional now. And I think Matt Campbell, uh, Iowa State head coach, would be a great fit for the New York Jets. Guy from the college ranks. We've been seeing a lot of coaches from the college ranks come in and have immediate success. Matt Rule, that offense in Carolina, while they don't have a lot of wins, their offense has looked pretty spectacular. Um, you know, Cliff made the jump, and it's, it's been pretty good, um, even though I have my doubts at times. Matt Campbell, I think, will be a terrific head coach in the NFL, and I think he wants the Jets' job. I just don't think he wanted it two years ago. And now you're going to be able to tell him, hey, we're gifting you, you know, the next ge generational talent at the quarterback position. And I think that's what he would do to, uh, to – I think that's what it would take for him to make the jump. And I think that he and Joe Douglas can be on the same page compared to where um, Matt Campbell was around when the Jets were you know, looking for their last head coaching candidate. I think this is the right time. And I think it's the right time for him to make the jump up too. You know, At a certain point in your coaching career, you've done as much as you can at that university. Unless there is a bigger coaching job that he wants to take on, he's done the most that he can at Iowa State in my opinion. Um, and so at the end of the day, I love what he would be able to do with uh, an offense, um, you know, with Trevor Lawrence. And I, I do believe just at the fit, if you, if you go into next season, GM, head coach, quarterback, Joe Douglas, Matt Campbell, Trevor Lawrence, that is one of the better trios of foundational pieces across the league. And so I think that's the most appealing job. And I think that the Jets have their candidate penciled in now. I think the time is right. It wasn't two years ago. They needed to get through this mess with Adam Gase and really hit reset and say, okay, we're in a position now to get a great quarterback we've drafted well the last two years. Um, we can make this thing work, and we want you to make it work with us. So um, that's kind of my rankings of the most appealing job, the least appealing jobs to the most appealing. Just going from the top down, uh, just one more time in order of jobs that I find the most appealing, just as something fun to look back years from now and see how I've ranked this. I go the Jets is the most appealing, Jaguars behind that, 
the Texans behind that, Chargers behind them, then goes the Bears, then the Detroit Lions, then the Atlanta Falcons, then the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, so those are what I find the most appealing. Here are the pairings that I gave them one more time. The New York Jets, Matt Campbell, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Brian Dable, the Chicago, or sorry, the Houston Texans, Brian Schottenheimer, the Los Angeles Chargers, Nathaniel Hackett, really just throwing a, a dart there and saying a young offensive guy I think might be able to sneak his way in. Uh, then uh, Pat Fitzgerald to the Chicago Bears, Robert Sala to the Detroit Lions. I, I would put that one in pen almost. Um, Eric Bieniemy to the Atlanta Falcons, and Pete Carmichael to the Philadelphia Eagles. There could be another job that opens up. I have no idea. You know, what if a coach decides to retire? What if the Bengals decided to move on from a guy like Zach Taylor if they thought a guy was available that they really wanted? Um, but those are just what I see as, okay, these jobs should and would be available, and these what the guys would do with it. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Fun episode. I'll catch you guys on Friday uh, with picks against the spread for week 15 of the NFL season with Teddy Pristash. Uh, make sure to like, review, subscribe to the podcast. I always appreciate the support and feedback. Thank you so much for listening to Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace, and I'll talk to you later this week. Peace.